What's happening, everybody? I'm so excited to drop this special edition of the Technically Speaking podcast. And it's for a special occasion because today is my birthday, January 10th, 2024. Another year in the books, another year around the sun, um, hopefully getting wiser and aging slower by the day. Um, Today, we'll be diving into the fascinating story of the rise and fall of Envision. Back in November, Miro had acquired Envision's freehand tool. On the first week of January, the CEO of Envision announced that by the end of 2024, that Envision would shut down services for the prototyping tool that we grew to love over the years. In this episode, Jay Dimitillo, design strategist, educator, consultant, joins me all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I think he hopped on a call at around 3 a.m. his time, and we had a really good time just just kind of reminiscing and going through the, the history of Envision and discussing the impact that it had. One of the things was like, it flipped user testing on a different Mm. level, right? Because like you could just show it to anybody on a desktop screen and and eventually mobile where they finally got mobile, right? Where like you could get real-time feedback and it was amazing. So instead of just waiting for uh, like a tech link from your developers, you can now share this Envision link instead of just going to your like, sketch file and just like showing a user, hey, tell me about this flow, right? Yeah. It just changed everything. And it was yeah. so nice. It was yeah. really nice. So in the show, we'll, we'll kind of explore the evolution of design tools from prototyping with real code to designing red lines and Photoshop and the emergence of sketch that optimize for designing UIs. We'll go through some of the challenges that designers face and the the joy that collaborative work brought at the time, right? I think nowadays it's kind of an expected thing in the world of Google Docs, Figma, right? Multiplayer is is, is kind of ubiquitous now, but it really wasn't. Envision really brought that to light. So get ready for an insightful and thought-provoking discussion packed with personal anecdotes and and insights. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. A lot of the numbers and the sizing that you'll hear in this episode have come from Crunchbase. So that's kind of where, um, as we start to go through the timeline, sit back and enjoy. What's happening, technically speaking? I've got my man Jay on the call. And where are you at? You're in Australia, right? Yeah, I'm in Australia right now, which is pretty wild. I'm in Melbourne to be specific. Ah, Nice, nice. I feel like it's always like, where is Jay? Because you've been to like the Bay Area twice since the last time that I've seen you. Um, And our schedules haven't exactly lined up uh, in the best way possible. But I must say, like, for the fact that you live like halfway across the world, it's just amazing just how close in contact we are always great to to see and hear from you and bro you've been on a you've been on a world tour what's happening what's going on 
Yeah, I got really lucky this year. I didn't expect to be on doing all these talks and they were just agreements from previous conversations from last year. Yeah. Yeah, I was in Vancouver that I guess I did an amazing job. Then I went to Toronto, same conference, peep organizers in general. Then I went to the Philippines. Yeah. And then, yeah, they did one in Tokyo. Oh, well. that's amazing. Yeah, I, I always say it's amazing just like where design can take you right outside of obviously like the pixel part of it but maybe give listeners a little bit of background in terms of what has your talk track been i actually just had a recording with fons morris i know you all met in the philippines and he's doing his thing too like in terms of traveling and talking and yeah what's top of mind for you when you're in these spaces oh my gosh it first started off with talking about inclusion and dei which is getting crap on right now for yeah really poor reasons and i think for me it's really important to just the first the, the the first talk in the beginning of the year was more about how do you design and be inclusive for your users yeah but now it's changed into designing for or bringing value to the bring value to design through the business and understanding your stakeholders so it's very like high level and something that you probably sure. have to deal with of convincing people of like why it's valuable to hire a designer or even why this has to be nicely designed for our users in general, but also being inclusive to our stakeholders and using the same language. And people don't realize how important that is. And I know some people, especially in Southeast Asia, are a little bit confused by the concept, but yeah, uh, I know well, it's obviously been hitting a lot of the right buttons with some people. So that's probably the most important part. Yeah, that's dope. Hopefully listeners can have an opportunity to check out some of those talks. Are any of them publicly available? The one in the Philippines is not yet, but I think that's yeah. the one that everyone should probably check out because I made people cry again. So, oh, my man. Wow. So it's, it's like an emotional type of thing. Oh yeah. Fonz called me and I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm allowed to say this, but he called me the, the Malcolm X of Filipinos, which is hilarious. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Go, go look for it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, folks have to listen to it themselves and make the judgment there, but we'll take the anecdote. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Look, let's get into it. I'm super excited about our episode today because it's a little bit different format than listeners are used to. Normally we go through the Q&A, but it'll be a discussion. And I, we're both obviously design practitioners. We've been in the industry for quite some time. We've seen it from multiple different angles, but we're going to be talking about the rise and fall, if you will, of InVision. And for listeners that aren't familiar, and just to even just set a level set with folks is InVision at one point was really a, a disruptive design tool on the market, right? Like a lot of folks today, we talk about InVision, or excuse me, we talk about Figma. Some folks talk about XD, but I don't really think that's the case. Some folks have also, they might still work with Sketch. And so Envision at one point, we thought was going to run away with it. And so we'll get into the reasons why. And maybe we can start and, and create like the timeline here. Envision was started in 2011. And if we think about like the timeline, like Figma was actually started a year later, but Figma didn't really catch on because their whole premise was multiplayer yeah. and it was browser-based, 
And so right. that really wasn't a need for the market at that point in time. Most studios, because there were a lot of studios back then, and then teams started moving in-house, but most folks are working out of Photoshop at that point, right? What was your kind of stack back then? Oh my gosh. Photoshop, remember Dreamweaver when that was oh, around? Yeah. That was still yeah. like being used, dude. Like yeah. it was crazy. What else? Like I, sometimes I would use Illustrator because I would have, have to create like a lot of pixel stuff as yeah. well, like on top of like iconography yeah. and whatnot, but there wasn't really like a good program no. in general for UX. Yeah. And on top of that, I always remember this was like when I was transitioning into product design UX, right? And Photoshop was like the de facto because it could do it, right? You would do the, you would, you might use Illustrator, but the pixel was always off, right? It was always like a half yeah. a pixel off. And this was like at a time too, when, you know, I think like Android had, they were doing like pixel density, right? Yeah. Um, and then we were just getting into responsive stuff. So there was nothing like really focused on product design and so that like it was crazy like you're talking about dreamweaver i still remember like my first role i was coding for prototypes so it was like you launch like these like kernels or whatever you mean you're like in you're literally in in terminal and you're launching like these javascript programs to create a simulation or an environment and then i was literally like fortunately i like i knew how to code but I found myself like at that point, so frustrated, dude. Cause I was like, I was literally building prototypes and bug bashing half the time. Yeah. That, that was crazy. rough, man. Yeah. Because, and also remember like when flash was a thing and oh. before like Apple took away all the, uh, flash script yeah. uh, from everything. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things were built on there on, on web specifically, but it looked like crap on mobile Yeah, uh, because no one really considered mobile back in the day. Right. No. And, until Apple made the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the iPhone was a huge like game changer. And again, like, I think like I was designing for iPhone, I was designing for Android and Windows phone. That's right. So that was crazy. Design systems weren't really a thing at that point. I think, I think Twitter. So obviously people now associate yeah. with X. Twitter was actually leading industry-wise in terms of like design systems because they had their Twitter design language that you could look at, you could see the documentation. And so this predates, it doesn't predate obviously like Apple human design guidelines, but human design guidelines before almost was like, like a manifesto. So you could interpret right. it in so many different ways. Um, and this was also pre-material design. And so a lot of people were looking <laughs> at like Twitter for design system inspiration, which is super crazy to think about that now. And it's weird because if you think about it, Twitter did start like design Twitter literally started back then because everyone yeah. was documenting what they were using. And yeah. that's how I found out about like certain programs like Envision and, and whatnot or Figma or whatever, because it was like all over Twitter. I was like, what is this thing? Yeah. And if you remember, Twitter was like, like the place to go, like they're neat. The nerdy kids would go to find yeah. things in general. The hashtags. That's right. Back panel. That's right. So one, one of the things that disrupted the whole Photoshop and Illustrator workflow was Sketch. And I know you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Sketch basically ended up becoming like the de facto product design tool because 
It wasn't a situation when you opened up where you had this open canvas and you had to put in the dimensions. It actually already had those things in, in place, right? So you would choose like your iPhone, what was it iPhone 4 versus yeah. an iPhone 5? Yeah. Versus this is the like, first time we saw that too. We were yeah. minds are blown, right? What? I know. So that, that, in my opinion, really started to, it brought a new layer of just like efficiency because also you weren't saving these huge Photoshop files. No, they're huge ass sketch files. <laughs> they're huge, they're huge sketch files. Correct. Exactly. But do you remember, I know we went through this for a little bit with sketch, but like when you were designing with Photoshop, remember you would save like the date that you would save the file oh, and you put that file so in that bad. date. Yeah. And everyone had a different, like you go from one org to another, every company had a totally different file structure. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like Apple had their own design structure, but it's funny because if you worked with ex Apple people, they'd yeah. have the similar file structure in their Photoshop or even like sketch if they use sketch, it was like wild. Like they would yeah. name their layers, they have dates. And that was like crazy. I was like, what? There's like a whole function yeah. to this. I didn't realize there was like a whole different level to it. Yeah. That, that reminds me. That's like when the layer conversation started to really. That's right. Pick off. Right. Because yeah. sketch, I think you had the different kind of. Actually, no, you had basically the storyboard, same thing like with Figma. And Sketch had a very illustrator, like it, it took from Adobe Illustrator, right? If you think about the format yeah. and, but then on the left side, you had all of the layers, which is similar now in, in Figma. I think, I think it's standard for a lot of programs now, but yeah, mm -hmm. when you start working with larger teams, which was the case, people would get really anal about their layers. Oh, dude, they, <laughs> yeah, I remember everybody would make memes and it's still a meme to this day about naming layers, especially on Figma. And it's fascinating because the layers weren't, they're important, but I guess when you think about it, the question was, how do we get these to the engineers? Like, <laughs> exactly. It was like the biggest thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that was, so when you talk about red lines, so that's like where the origination of red, I don't think red that's lines right. are the exact same anymore, but you no. would literally have to create another file. And then basically call out like the pixels. Um, it's really interesting because I feel like that was very tedious work. And I know designers yeah. is, don't really have to think about those as much, but I actually thought that was a very, how would you say that? What's the word for it? Discipline. It created a discipline. It's yeah. like one of those things where you look at, like for me, like I can look at something and be like, yo, that's 16 pixels. No, that's off. That's right. That's right. right. And I think it's important to establish all of these things, like bringing back all these memories, um, because I think the engineering piece was really difficult. And like, for me, like personally, the company I was working at, we had engineers in Poland. My and gosh. so I was always up against the clock to get things to them because if I didn't, that was like two days of work that was, that were lost. That's right. And I Dude. didn't really... I didn't even know these guys like that because I hadn't even flown out there. I don't know. They may not even warriors. speak English. Like, how do they yeah. understand like your um, thinking on the layouts? Is it like pixels? Can they look at that? Do you have to make something for them that understand that? It's so hard back then. Yeah. And whatever you 
deliver. It had to be on point. There was no margin for error. Yeah, it was a little bit, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? It was very, it was just very difficult and there was no room for error because yeah. whatever you delivered is was going to be built and it was on you <laughs> if you messed up, right? I know. I know. I feel like you, I feel like you skipped over the word margin for error. I was like, man, is it really that kind of trauma right? that you, you just, dude, I was so traumatized because <laughs> I remember like marking out like a giant sketch seat and yeah. like having all the padding and the red lines. And then I would realize, oh, they need like different file, like different screen sizes for like older Android devices. And I don't have yeah. that on my spec sheet and I'm, and I was freaking out. Yeah. The Android thing was so difficult, dude. Because you were doing it for each and individual device, right? And they okay. kept rolling out with so device. bad. Yeah, yeah. It was so annoying. Um, it was but a thank lot. God for Zeppelin. Thank God yeah. for Zeppelin, though, when that came around, yeah. right? Yeah. So that stack there was Sketch and then Zeppelin. And Zeppelin, Zeppelin was amazing. It was actually yeah. we didn't have anything better. And so I think with Zeppelin, you'd integrate that. And instead of having to actually create the red lines, they could actually see a version of your file and hover over it. But it wasn't perfect either because no. you had to group things a certain way and that kind of changed like how folks like built their work. And so when we talk about layers, that was even another kind of issue with that. Oh man. And then plus it's like a different app. I didn't understand for the longest time why Sketch just didn't buy them out. That probably would have helped elevate them to Envision and Figma status, right? I, I, know. I don't understand. I know. The funny thing is obviously I'm skipping in the timeline, but I think Sketch for the most part is still like a very small studio. Like I think the two original right. founders like still work on it. So I just don't think that was a part of like their ethos. Oh man. I have so many questions, like how are they still making money? <laughs> yeah. That, Zeppelin was the same way. I think they were, because yeah. I remember talking with their team when it came out, because they're doing like user research. And so yeah, since I was managing the team and approving our rec for that, I, I talked to them, I talked to Envision. So it was just, it was amazing how accessible those teams were. But now let's actually get into it because we've been building this up a lot. So. Envision comes on the scene. Obviously, we talk about them being started in 2011, but 2014, 2015 is probably when most folks really started to use them and catch on. And the big thing with Envision is that now your stuff went to the cloud. And so not nice. only did it go to the cloud, you could actually comment on those things in the cloud. And so when we talk about red lines, yes, like some of that work still happened. And it really depends. I think people are trying new things, right? And then actually, I think at one point, Envision kind of actually built in some of that, but it wasn't fully complete. It wasn't all the way there. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. So number one, it started to share. So that was great. So files, crazy file systems were turning into a thing of the past. Sharing on like in the cloud allowed for feedback when you're not at work, which is great. So asynchronous feedback, we talk about this a lot. We take it for granted yeah. now, but that unlocked that door. And yeah, I think presenting it also, the prototype, it, right? 
Yeah, you have the prototyping. And so no more coding prototypes. There are a gazillion different prototyping tools out there. I think Framer was one of the first ones back then, and that was a code-based yeah. one at that time. And since then, they've just pivoted into creating websites. Framer was like a huge tool for people doing interaction design. Man, that, that helped out a lot. What was like your reaction when you first used Envision? Oh, dude. I think one of the things was like what we didn't mention was like it flipped user testing on a different mm. level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you could just show it to anybody on a desktop screen and, and eventually mobile where they finally got mobile, right? Where you could get real time feedback and it was amazing. So instead of just waiting for like a tech link from your developers, you can now share this Envision link instead of just going to your like sketch file and just like showing a user like, Hey, tell me about this flow. Yeah. It just changed everything. And it was yeah. so nice. It was yeah. really nice. It was huge, right? Like I remember with our developers, cause we went through the wreck and we were like, yo, this is a lot of money. <laughs> we went through with finance and all that. And our developers are like, this is like an invaluable tool. We'll spend whatever. And that's how transformative yeah. tool was. In 2014, 2015, Figma starts to catch like when in 2016, um, but no one's really paying attention to it even then, right? Cause it's still about, we're just catching on. There's a ton of value. Yeah. There's no need for multiplayer. And I think a big part of that is like a lot of design teams were now just at a point where we see what other designers were doing. We didn't necessarily have a need to uh, it's true. dig into their files. And even then, like it was still an individual sport, if you will, because everyone had their own instance of sketch. Yeah. Or Envision. Right? Or Envision, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until they figured out the collaboration thing, yeah. which came later as well. So yeah. Exactly, exactly. So like, this is the interesting part when we talk about like how crazy it was. Like Envision had a really great marketing machine. So if you look back oh, at dude, all yeah. their press, Fast Company, they're in Forbes all the time. I think one thing that stood out was that they were one of the first companies that was fully remote. And so you talk to a salesperson that might be in Australia or Texas. I think they were founded in New York. That's where the founders were. But they were really the first company to do remote full remote before anybody, right? Again, it's one of those things where we take that for granted nowadays. Um, oh, dude, yeah. And to add to that, I think they were probably one of the companies that were actually part of the design community, like back yeah. then, right? Remember like during SF Design Week, like yeah. you'd see Envision sponsored by Envision everywhere. Exactly. And they were part of the community. Like you felt like they like, cared. They Exactly. I think this was... So this was like a really interesting like turning point. I don't think any of us really thought too much about. Envision had a crazy marketing machine. And I think like, I think I'm glad you brought that up because like they were actually producing movies. So yep. design I disruptors. Yeah. had design disruptors. I went to that premiere, like it was in the Castro. They had a full like red carpet. And I think the thing about that is that we got to, for what it's worth, folks got to see their design heroes on screen. And it really but, kind of... <laughs> yeah, there were issues with that. 
If you remember, there was an uproar. There was just all Caucasian designers. Yes. If you remember. Yeah. That was the issue. Exactly. I was like, where are the people of color guys and or yeah. and more women? There are only like two women yep. in general. I was like, what's going on here? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that was, yeah, now that you bring that up, I remember that. And so there was that piece. Then they started their design podcast. I think my time is might be getting mixed up, but I know that they did release a, a podcast. So they released the Design Better podcast. They did a bunch of stuff. If I tell you, you're going to be surprised. In total, their total funding was $356.2 million. 10 rounds of funding. I'm assuming they probably started out on their own because their first round of funding was actually debt financing. And so debt financing basically is when you go to a bank, get a loan and you say you'll, you'll pay it off over a certain period of time. Obviously in terms of like their growth, that really wasn't an issue. Um, but I think what's really interesting is in 2020, basically they did secondary market financing, which basically is when a company will buy back from investors, right? Buy back those assets. Really crazy to think about that because I'm going to go through this, the, the updates, right? So Basically, you had Envision, which was like the workspace where it would upload to Sketch or Sketch would upload to the cloud. You could do all the comments, ton of value there. Then in 2017, they introduced Craft was God, that's right. also amazing because yes. what it ended up doing, it ended up automating the upload process, right? So you didn't have to go yeah, to Sketch incredible. to your files, right? Yeah. So it's like you click a button in Sketch and it would automatically upload your updates, which was huge, especially considering the files were a little bit larger. Then that's where it introduced Freehand. And so Freehand is, at that point in time, it was pretty bare bones, but it was basically a canvas to work on things collaboratively. Think about early version of Miro, which we'll get to later. It was Miro, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, basically Miro. No one really used freehand though, which was, which is like That's really right. interesting. Then it had data. So that was when we started getting into, like you talked about user testing. So that's when we could actually start bringing in actual data, right? So bringing in text, bringing in images, JSON, live web content. So like news articles. So that was really great. Like I remember yeah. doing some tutorials online with the team and doing those types. And it was like, yo, this is crazy. We can actually bring in non-static information was still static, but it opened up a, a, a lot more possibilities and made things real. And then I don't know if you remember this, they had the design system manager. Yeah, I do remember that. That was amazing. Yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. Like for what it's worth, you think about anytime we, we get these new tools, there's like this pro proliferation of like different startups. And so I don't know if you remember, there were a ton of design system startups that integrated in Envision and so integrated nice. in the sketch. And then eventually they integrated into Figma and ultimately Figma started creating more of these foundational things, but we're not talking about Figma right now. Yeah. Um, but 2017, again, it was like, wow, this is really starting to ramp up. And then ultimately they started to create their own tool called Envision Studio. And Envision Studio was supposedly supposed to be a direct competitor to Sketch. And 
it incorporated a con a concept of multiplayer. So they were definitely, they, they had their ear to the ground in terms of what was happening with the likes of Figma. What was your experience with Envision Studio? Did you ever try that out? Oh, dude, I, I did. But this is, this is the thing that probably did Envision in. I think the pricing back in the day, and feel free to chime in, especially if you're like, obviously running a team is like the pricing did it in because I think I remember specifically when I was working at my last company in Singapore that we were, we did have a trial with Envision Studio, yeah. but Sketch was the one that was a more affordable yeah. and the engineers actually preferred using that over Envision because it was like easy to access, not files, but easy to understand like the pixels and whatnot. Envision for whatever reason didn't fill out all the details and, and the things that what engineers wanted, right? Yeah. Which is weird. If you think about it, so you, you had it, you, you, they built up to that point in 2017, but because there are other competitors that just kept leveling up, I think yeah. they, for whatever reason around 2017, 2018, they just vanished like from yeah. like companies just because of those plans and, and whatnot. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I never actually used Envision Studio because it was just so buggy. Like, yeah, that too. I, I was like, there's no way we would even think about moving things over. I, I, I think it's a really interesting sort of case study on like path of least resistance. Yes, I would rather sink through two different things than what we went to when, when we went through earlier, like moving all of my files over Dude. and changing yeah. all of my process. And they did dark mode on it. And I don't think we needed that at the time. It was just like, no. it just felt like it was very off the mark. It was too superfluous with all like all these weird features that you wouldn't use. But now yeah. you're like, oh yeah, that would be great. I think yeah. they just weren't, they were just too ahead of their time, which is yeah. Really sad if you actually think about it, because they actually knew what was, where, where the industry was going. They were just too ahead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, man. I think, I think in hindsight, definitely was a huge miss. Like, I never got the vision of Envision, of Studio, because I just never had a great experience with it. And on top of that, they never really updated their core product. Like, I know for a while no. they were always teasing us about, hey, we're going to do this new update you can have better file management, which is great, right? If I had a place to put my presentations, prototypes, maybe we could change the way that we're working given it was so visual, free using freehand, <laughs> but it just never made the light of day. But you, you always saw the, the investments on learning material on their podcasts. They came out with another movie called Squads around like the different working models, right? With Spotify and I think Atlassian was a part of the documentary. Yeah. And so that was all good. And, but I'm like, yo, what's going on here? And I think by that time, folks really caught wind of Figma and it's really unfortunate because that was like a good three to four years of like people waiting on them to make some product updates. I think that was the issue. The fact that we gave so much feedback to, Hey, this is what we need. And sketch and Figma were fulfilling those needs around 2017, 2018, even like the obscure ones, like UX pin was like another one because people were more into design systems as well. Right. Exactly. And it's just like, why do we have to keep waiting? Cause I remember specifically just working on that, working on the Envision studio for a little bit. And I was like, this is not 
I don't want to drag all my files here. I'm already on Sketch. The company uses all Sketch. And there's only like maybe four or five people just using Envision Studio. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's just sad. Yeah, it's really sad. So, you know, you fast forward to 2023 and basically a press release comes out that they get acquired or freehand gets acquired what? by Miro, which is like really ironic because I never opened up freehand for the life of me. And if you look at their roadmap, like ton of articles around it, right? Like they've made a ton of updates. So they basically abandoned Envision. It's right? crazy. The whole thing was like, yeah. we've got 2 million users that use Envision, but you basically only saw them making updates to, to freehand. And I think what's also really interesting is if you actually go on their website, it's Envision the makers of freehand. What? Complete, no complete way. pivot, right? Like, I, I it's so that. interesting. It's yeah, man, that's like the life and times. It's just fascinating that they moved into Miro, which I actually probably ended up using Miro a lot more than freehand. But I think like even now, FigJam is probably the place that we tend to do some more like the brainstorming work. But yeah, it's interesting, man. I think what, what would you what are some lessons you think you'd probably take away from this? First off, I just went to the site and I'm just like shocked that they're like promoting freehand. Yeah. And that's not even their primary product that I remember. Yeah. So it's just, you talked about marketing budget and great marketing. Like this is poor marketing. Like yeah. what, where did it go wrong in terms of marketing and communication? Because I mm. remember talking to evangelists and they were great. I remember they were just very communicative. They were always emailing me, always checking in on the design studios using their product. But like, where did that go wrong? I think just in terms of communication, yeah. uh, like you said, like just like waiting for that update, like you're not gonna keep your users if you keep telling them you're gonna improve your product uh, over the next two, three years when there's other tools that are advancing at a faster pace. So it's just like communication, marketing, yeah. but also like delivering, right? Delivering on your yeah. actual user needs, which is really sad that they yeah. didn't. Yeah. I think they incrementally could have delivered on it. I don't think they needed to go for a big swing. Yeah. And I think their bread and butter was delivering incrementally on the things that really matter. And perhaps they probably lost sight of it. I don't know. I, I think I, their product people got cold feet, <laughs> to be honest. For sure. Right? Yeah. Too scared of disrupting their yeah. uh, moneymaker in general. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's how they came in. I, yeah, I don't understand what, where, what the, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall of yeah. those conversations with like head of product marketing, business and design yeah. of like, why can't we just deliver on our promise to just update it right away instead of just like waiting for this studio thing to come out and it's yeah. buggy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I had a really good time. Reflecting on this. Yeah, it's fun. I've, I obviously learned a little bit about that, about like this whole path, like on the business side, doing research around it. But I'm sure most folks that at least have worked on the tool can probably resonate with our experiences over the time. I hope ex Envision designers don't come after us because of this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're not I'm trashing sure. you guys. We, we no, love the product, I right? I don't <laughs> think, no, we're users, yeah. right? Like I, yeah. I will say that 
I don't think I've come across a person at Envision that wasn't passionate about the vision of the product. And I think sometimes business decisions counter that. And I think that's just the reality of being in a very competitive market. But that's the only thing that we should have probably talked about. Like the market from like when Envision first came out was like nothing until 2017, 2018, right? I know. And that's what killed them, which is really sad. Yep. Yeah, man. All right, Jay, thanks so much for tuning in. I know it's 4.40 in the morning where you're at. You're in the future. I'm in the future. Future is actually pretty dark. I'm going to say technically when this gets released, you'll hear it first. That concludes the show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That is a huge way to show your support and it really helps us reach more people and grow our following. By the way, we release a new episode every two weeks, but in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube at Technically Speaking HW. Again, thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. This has been a production of Technically Speaking Media.